0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Thursday, October the 14th, 2021. Today's show I break down this weekend's games of the Gamecocks return home to take on the Vanderbilt Commodores looking for their first SEC win of the 2021 football season guys I'll break down this game in its entirety first things first we'll break down Vanderbilt also talk top storylines key matchups to watch and keys the game as well as again guys South Carolina looks for their third straight victory in the series between the two schools. Guys, also, we got your listener questions, your voicemails, and a fantastic conversation. Great throwback interview with former Gamecocks quarterback and legend to wear the Garnet in black, Steve Tannehill joined me over the summer in 2019. Guys, a phenomenal conversation, a great interview. We got a great show for you here on a Thursday, and it's all brought to you by our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. Guys, Upstate Movers Group, superior moving service. They bring care and attention other companies can't offer because they're just too busy maintaining trucks and profiting off of them instead of focusing on service. Guys, service is what separates Upstate Movers Group from the competition. They're not a trucking company. They're a moving services company, and they're also employee owned co-op. Their movers are paid twice the industry average and everyone on the crew is invested in your success they have dedicated professional crew members and they also offer black glove service they offer end-to-end packing services custom creating and packaging of special items and cleaning services as well they're founded by Greenville natives and University of South Carolina alumni guys so with Gamecock owned small business they also offer 20 years of project management moving experience and they can offer logistics and solutions that traditional moving companies simply do not have the skills for guys whether in the upstate or across the state of South Carolina, if you have any moving needs in 2021, be sure to check out our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. You can find them on social media at Upstate Movers Group. Of course, if you have any other questions, go to their website, Group.com. That's UpstateMoversGroup.com. Be sure to check them out and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up show sent you. Let's get it. Gamecocks football beating the Vanderbilt Commodores. Those seem to be the three certainties in life, especially the life of a Carolina football fan. And here we are, folks, again. Happy Thursday. Hope you're all doing well. I'm Chris Phillips. This the Spurs Up show, as always. Appreciate you guys tuning in. I hope this show finds you well. No matter where you are, what you're doing, whether you're on the commute, you're in the office, you're on the job, you got the day off, maybe you're in class right now, whatever it may be, folks. Again, thank you all so much for tuning in. Hey. It's homecoming weekend, and, of course, we're talking about the game this weekend as South Gonna looks for their first SEC win of the 2021 football season and looks to extend their winning streak over Vandy to 13 straight victories. Guys, it's hard to think. It's, it's crazy to think about. It's hard to fathom that through the ups, through the downs, through the in-betweens of Gamecocks football, one thing has remained consistent, and that is South Gonna finding a way to beat Vandy. Guys, got a pack here sure on a Thursday. Appreciate you all tuning in. Before we get going, just a couple of quick housekeeping items, guys. Our ticket giveaway, which will be running tomorrow. Appreciate our friends at Dayson and Shilabi Law Firm for making that possible. Check it out on Instagram. We'll be picking a winner tomorrow afternoon. Like the post, tag three friends, and follow Dason and Shalabi Law Firm. Very simple, very to the point, but again, very excited to give away these two tickets to Saturday's game. Also, guys, speaking of the game, before the game, Be sure to head out to the TSUS tailgate out at Seawells. We'll be out there once again, spots 93 to 96. Look for the TSUS and the Big Cock Club flag flying. I know that the fair's in town. People need places. The tailgate will be across the street from the Rocket in the fairgrounds, in case you don't know where Seawells is, or just down the street from Jay's Corner, if you will. But again, going to be a really, really good time. We'll be out there on 11 or so. Would love to see you guys out there. Again, the TSUS tailgate going to have a really, really Good time. All right, guys, not further ado. Hey, like I said, it's homecoming weekend, so let's talk some football. Gamecocks taking on the Vanderbilt Commodores for a 4 o'clock kickoff on the SEC Network at williams Bryce Stadium. Of course, guys, yesterday we talked best bet. We talked gambling picks. And South Carolina, as of today, still sitting as an 18-point favorite in this ball game. the over-under set at 51. Now, I mentioned the winning streak earlier, guys, the series history. South Carolina leads the series against Vanderbilt 26-4. The Gamecocks have won 12 straight in the series. You might recall the last time South Carolina lost to Vanderbilt was in the 2008 season in Nashville. What's crazy, guys, is that actually came on the heels of South Carolina losing Back-to-back, to back to Vandy, because you remember 07, that was the 07 season in which Blake Mitchell, Corey Boyd, that bunch of Gamecocks started out 6-1. and one. You came home. I think you were ranked sixth in the country. You lose to Vandy. All hell broke loose and you finish that season 6-6 six and six and don't even go to a bowl game. So, again, it has been a long, long time since Vanderbilt had really any success against the Gamecocks in football. And, of course, guys, the last meeting last year, South Carolina, even with that team in 2020, even all of the questions, the turmoil, you know, we all know what happened. The Gamecocks ran through the Vanderbilt Commodores beating Vandy 41-7 to on a rainy day in Nashville. You might recall Kevin Harris running wild in that game. I think that was really like his coming out party, if you were, you're like, damn, Kevin Harris is... A legitimate back in this league, but the Gamecocks dominated Vandy a season ago, winning forty-one to seven. And like I said, guys, South Carolina looking for their thirteenth straight win over Vandy in this football game, guys. Breaking out the doors just a little bit. Their head coach, of course, they're they're also in the same boat as South Carolina. They have a first-year head coach and Clark Lee. Um, Vandy sits two and four right now, zero and two in the SEC. Get this, guys! I, I talked about it on yesterday's show, right when I gave my best bet. I told you guys, Gamecocks minus eighteen, just how much Vandy has struggled this season. And of course, we talk about the deficiencies and shortcomings of South Carolina and this being a a rebuild for Shane Beamer, if you will. Uh, If this is a rebuild at South Carolina, I don't even really know how to label what's going on in Nashville because the statistics will tell you it has been a very, very, very rough year for the Doors. They're averaging guys just 13 points per game offensively, the worst offense in the SEC, and they're giving up, 36 points per game. Guys, I also might have failed to mention they're 0-2 in SEC play. And again, I know it's Georgia and Florida, but the doors so far have been outscored 104-0 in SEC play. So it's been tough sledding for Clark Lee in his first season. He did have some big victories over UConn and Colorado State, but overall, whole body of work. Been a very rough going in these first six games. And, of course, they'll look to turn it around in the second half of the season, Guys, let's get into top storylines, and I mentioned it a couple of times, but I really just want to take a second to appreciate, because, you know, over the last decade or so, we have really seen all ends of the spectrum when it comes to Gamecocks football, right? We saw the heights of Steve Spurrier and winning 10, 11 games a season and being ranked in the top 10 and all that good stuff, and we've seen the depths, right, 2015, the end of the must Champ era, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, but again, one thing has remained consistent. And that is South Carolina beating Vanderbilt. There's been some blowouts. There's been some really close games. But at the end of the day, the Gamecocks have won 12 straight games. And what's wild about that, that streak comes during when James Franklin was a Vandy. That streak comes during a stretch when the which the Gamecocks have lost six of seven, including five straight to the Kentucky Wildcats. So it's, it's just wild to think, you know, if you're on the Vanderbilt side of things and if Dare I say you're a Vanderbilt fan, which I don't know how many Vanderbilt fans actually exist. But if you're someone who supports Vanderbilt football, it's got to be a little bit maddening for you and a bit crazy that, like, we have not been able to get South Carolina. South Ghana just continues to year after year after year. Doesn't matter if they win two games, three games, four games, or if they win nine, 10, 11. South Ghana is beating. Vanderbilt at least that's been the case the last 12 seasons in a row so again will the streak live on this year Gamecocks looking to extend it to 13 straight victories guys of course second week in a row this is another top storyline a battle of first year head coaches and of course we talked about Josh Heupel last week Clark Lee a little bit of a different background a defensive minded guy if you will but uh overall thought of fairly highly in the coaching circles, but uh, first-year head coaches, you know, in games like these are really important, SEC East hierarchy, all that good stuff. Um, we talked about last week who the game was more important for, Josh Heupel or Shane Beamer. I don't think that conversation's really warranted this week. I think it's a little bit of a different scenario. Obviously, the Gamecocks need to win this football game. This is a must-win football game. It's a football game you absolutely have to have. Um, but, you know, anytime you got a pair of first-year coaches going at it, And they're looking to build their programs. And obviously for Clark Lee, this would be a monumental win. Hey, both these teams looking for their first SEC win of the 2021 football season. And both coaches looking for their first SEC win ever as a head coach in this league. So again, really intriguing. A battle of first-year head coaches, different styles, both looking to build their programs respectively, Both, both looking to build their programs respectively in the SEC East, and you know, sort of build back up to a level of respectability. If you, you know, making a bowl game on a consistent base, you know, Vandy did have it rolling there for a second, but can Clark Lee, of course, his job, we understand the challenges with that and Vandy, you know, how much they care about football, the, the resources and, you know, what they allocate to football, how much, how, how much or how little you could say they really allocate to football, but a battle of first-year head coaches with Shane Beamer, Clark Lee should make for an interesting matchup Saturday afternoon. At Williams Bryce Theater. And the big storyline for me, guys, is this. Listen, I understand this week it's been very popular to be doom and gloom and, and down in the dumps and think to yourself, oh, South Carolina will never win another game again. And this team's just terrible and this, that, whatever. I look at it this way, guys where, where, where there's turmoil, where there's struggle, there's also opportunity. And this is the perfect opportunity for a bounce back type of game for South Carolina. Call it for what it is, guys. Vanderbilt's not very good, okay? Vanderbilt's not Kentucky. They're not Tennessee. They're certainly not Georgia. I'm not even sure Vanderbilt's Troy or East Carolina. They've got their own slew of problems up there in Nashville. But it's the perfect opportunity for this football team as you kick off the second half of this season, right, and you sit at 3-3, and you're winless in SEC play. And this is a football team I think is a little bit desperate. It knows it needs a good performance, not just a win, by the way, but a good performance as well. I think this game comes at a very opportune time for South Gun. Again, last week you got punched in the face, man. Your defense didn't look like they normally have all season long. Your offense continues to sputter, continues to struggle. I think this is the perfect opportunity this weekend for a real bounce back game, homecoming. You're at home. You know what will the crowd be like? I don't know, but either way, you're going to be in the 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 uh, in front of your home faithful, if you will. You're honoring the the Hall of Famers at halftime. There's a lot of positive things happening on Saturday. I think it's a great opportunity for this football team to build some confidence, build some momentum, play their best football, and put together a really solid performance on Saturday. Speaking of that sputtering offense and Marcus Satterfield and the Gamecocks, offensive attack and offensive identity, guys, that's another storyline for me in this football game. Can South Carolina at least finally begin to find an identity? You know, when you don't have one, When you don't have an identity and you're trying to find one against the likes of Georgia, Tennessee, Kentucky, you know, that's not a really favorable spot to be in. But a team like Vanderbilt, who, you know, has struggled mightily, guys, on the defensive side, like I said, 36 points per game. I think they're averaging giving up around 450 yards per game. So it's been really tough sledding for them. This is maybe a little bit of a more manageable opponent. You look at it and say, you know what? Maybe we can do some things. You know, if you, you, you feel like maybe you could draw some positives from the end of the Tennessee game, you're able to run the football and do different things. And you hope Luke Doty will continue to progress. He's done a good job of taking care of the football. But this offense has got to find an identity. If it's going to win more than four games this season, you got to start to find that identity. Obviously, we see the criticism for Marcus Satterfield, his shortcomings, what he hasn't done. But guys, again, I've said it all week and I'll say it again. It's not just on the play caller. Okay. It's not just in the play caller. The personnel, the execution is making it really, really hard and would make it hard on any play caller to establish an identity. But we saw things at the end of the Tennessee game like Kevin Harris out of the eye formation, you know, more power sets, if you will, more of a fullback. Do we start to see stuff like that? This offense has got to find its identity. You're going into week seven right now. Okay. There's no excuses from this point forward. So again, in this game against Fandy, you should have the opportunity to have success offensively. Will this be the week the Gamecocks find their identity once and for all? Another big storyline here, and I talked about this a lot with Alex McGrath, because you guys asked me this question, I feel like, weekly. Why does South kind of struggle so much to get off to a positive start. Why do the Gamecocks struggle so badly to get things going early? Why does it feel like we're always falling behind and we're always playing catch up? And you know, we've got to overcome adversity so early. So my question is this: What must the Gamecocks do to come out of the gate with urgency and to start fast? Because again, I think this is a game, and I'm going to talk about this more a little bit later. Where setting the tone, you know, there, there's always there's already this. You can feel it, too. There's this hangover, right, from the Tennessee game where fans are still, you know, looking back. Oh, my God, we're so bad. We're terrible. We haven't beaten Kentucky. We haven't beaten Tennessee. Woe is me. We're awful. The offense stinks. We stink as a whole. The coaching stinks. Everything stinks, right? The norm, right, when you're losing football games. Getting off to a fast start and trying to wash that taste out of your mouth as quickly as possible um, is very important in this football game. So, I don't know if there's a philosophical change. I don't know if scripting the game better in the beginning is the right move. I don't know if there's anything Shane Beamer can say. But something's got to happen for the Gamecocks to come out of the gate with urgency and to have some you know, early fight about them, if you will. Hey, get a stop early on defense. Score a touchdown. Do whatever you got to do to take advantage, to take hold of the momentum, and don't let it go. So, again, getting off to a fast start, what does South going to have to do to come out of the gate with urgency and to get things rolling? Again, it's homecoming. Gamecock fans want and need something to feel good about. This football team wants and needs something to feel good about. Can it do that? Saturday against Vanderbilt. Guys, my final top storyline is this, and, again, I mentioned it a little bit earlier. Again, the perfect opportunity for a bounce back, but also this game. I look at this game, guys, as – you know really setting the tone for the second half of the season because again there are some fans out there woe is me all hope is lost but the bottom line is this you're 3 and 3 and you have six more opportunities to take the field and do something and make something of this season and when you look at the second half yes i know Texas A&M just beat Alabama that's going to be a challenge going to college station but you play florida you play mizzou you play auburn you play clemson of all those teams i just mentioned How many would you put a loss next to it in heavy black ink? I mean, I think there's some winnable games there. Now you've got to get better. You've got to improve. There's no questions asked. And I'm not sitting here telling you guys, you know, I'm not saying that getting to a bowl game is much, much tougher than it once was seeing that you lost to Kentucky and Tennessee, but is it impossible? Not necessarily, but you certainly have to improve, you know, No Gamecock fan. It's not going to satisfy the appetite of any Gamecock fan. If you go out there and beat Vanderbilt by 10, 13, you know, a touchdown, God forbid, when especially when you're a home 18-point favorite, you need a game that you sort of break out, if you will, and you show that progress and you show promise for the second half of the season. Set the tone, not just for this football game, set the tone for the second half of the year where you say to yourself, you know what? We can do this. We have things to feel good about. We have things to build on. We can see the pieces coming together. And who knows? Maybe you find yourself into the season coming into the, you know, coming into the rivalry week against Clemson looking for that sixth win, or maybe you're already, you're already at six and five. Who knows? But I think it's just pivotal too because this, this football team, there's so many people saying so many different things right now. You know, some people have hope. Some people are saying, oh, the season's over. This team is terrible. And, I just think if you have one of those close touchdown type of games, it's going to be really hard to come back from that and really believe that, oh, are we good enough to win six games? Are we good enough to get to a bowl game? So again, having that impressive dominating type of victory, truly setting the tone for the second half of this season, I think it's going to be pivotal in this game on Saturday. All right, guys, let's move to key matchups to watch in this football game. Some great players taking the field in this one. I'm going to start... In the secondary, of course, guys, your defense was exposed last week. And one of the reasons why you are missing your top defensive back, in my opinion, in Cam Smith. Thankfully, fingers crossed, he should return. And for that reason, he is in my first key match. I so got defensive back Cam Smith against the wide receiver Cam Johnson. Now, Johnson right now, not the leading receiver, but 20 catches, 184 yards and two touchdowns. He was their leading receiver a season ago, and I think he's one of their top playmakers. They actually returned, guys, three of their top receivers coming back, so they were pretty pretty loaded at that position coming into the football season, but the loss of Cam Smith was evident. I mean, it killed you. It killed you. Um, your secondary got exposed last week. Like I said, that, that's really, I think, going to be the calling card of Vanderbilt in this football game. If they're going to beat you, Ken Seals, they're going to have to throw the football. And Cam Johnson, the guy, if you don't watch out, you know. I know we think to ourselves, oh, it's Vanderbilt. They don't have any good players. They don't have any playmakers. Cam Johnson's actually a pretty solid player. So watch out for him. Cam Smith, his return, I think, needs to be pivotal, needs to be big for you. So again, Cam Smith against Cam Johnson. The matchup of the Cams on the outside is going to be really, really fun to watch in this football game on Saturday. Guys, my second key matchup, moving to the offensive side for South Gunner. And we talked about identity, right? What does South Gunner need to do to st- establish an identity? Who is this offense? What is this offense, if you will? And I said a couple of weeks ago, you know, fail fast, right? If, if, the, running game, if the running game is not there, okay? If the running game is not there, scrap it and go to the pass. But I say that, And also saying this, the best version of this Gamecocks football team will only come when South Carolina can run the football. Guys, that is no secret. I spent months all summer telling you guys, hey, if the Gamecocks can't run the football, they're not going to have offensive success. And so in a game like this, where I know you've struggled to run it against anybody, right? And you just had your best performance against an FBS opponent, running the football when you ran it up for 153 yards on Tennessee. You look at the other side, Vanderbilt surrendering 200 yards per game on the ground. You got to take advantage, and the guy who's going to do so and needs to do so, running back Kevin Harris against the anchor for Vandy and Fernie Orgy. Orgy, 44 tackles on the season, six and a half tackles for loss. Really, really good player. And by the way, when I say anchor, that's like the spur of the South on a defense. You know, there's going to be times, I think, where this offensive line, hey, they're going to have them blocked. Believe it or not, I think this offensive line, they're going to have them blocked. Kevin Harris has got to make a guy like Orgy miss. Kevin Harris has got to be shifty. His vision's got to be on point. He's got to break off some big runs. Getting the running game going, guys, when that happens, it is going to free up this offense exponentially. So getting a big game. From your top back, we know what Kevin Harris did against Vandy a season ago. Can he duplicate that? Running game going to be pivotal in this game on Saturday. Guys, my final key matchup. And like I told you guys, I really think for Vandy, I know the Gamecocks have struggled, by the way, in run defense. But I really think for Vandy to have any type of success in this football game, they're going to have to throw the football. And Ken Seals, the guy, hey, you look at the 1 through 14 SEC power rankings of quarterbacks, Ken Seals has sat in that 14 spot basically all season long, right? Been a rough year for him, okay? And so if they're going to have to throw the football, Jalen Foster, to me in the back half, can certainly take advantage. Jalen Foster against Ken Seals, guys. My final key matchup. Foster, again, already with four interceptions. Seals, get his stat line. Five touchdowns, seven picks. So he will put it in danger. And if you want to be able to pull away in this game and have the blowout victory we're all clamoring for, getting the ball off of people, getting the ball off of Seals, and your ball hawk Jalen Foster making big plays for you in the back half of that defense going to be absolutely pivotal for you. So again, Jalen Foster, hey, at this point, it's just like copy-paste, copy-paste, copy-paste in regards to handing out game balls and cock of the walk and all that good stuff. Can he have another big game for you? And can he get another big interception or maybe a couple in this football game and really break things open for South Gunna against Vanderbilt? All right, guys. Let's move into our keys to the game. What does South Carolina need to do to ensure victory and ensure they get their first SEC win of the 2021 football season Saturday afternoon at williams Bryce Stadium? Like I told you guys, um, you know, one of my keys to the game last week, it's funny, was start fast. And certainly the quite opposite of that happened with Tennessee taking a 28-0 lead and never looking back in the first quarter. But bottom line is this, guys. You have problems, deficiencies, issues. I've said that over and over and over again. But you're not Vandy-level bad, okay? You're an 18-point favorite at home for a reason. Let me make that very, very clear. But the way you allow a team like a Vanderbilt to come into your house and make things uncomfortable, we'll put it that way, is you let them hang around in the first quarter, hang around in the second quarter, Hang around in the third quarter. All of a sudden, you look up in the fourth quarter. It's a one-score game. And guess what? That other team on that other sideline, they don't know they're supposed to lose. They have a lack of self-awareness. All of a sudden, they look up and they say, oh, my God, we're in the ballgame. Or, oh, my God, we're tied. Hey, we can win this damn thing. You've got to set the tone early. And, guys, that is my first key to the game. Set the tone. Set the tone early. You know what? We're the better team than you. We're better. We're better. We're going to dominate this game. We're going to control this football game. You have no chance. You're out of your league. Set the tone early. Again, I know I said start fast last week, but really just set the tone. Even if you don't jump up 21 nothing, 28 nothing, whatever. But set the tone that you're going to be the more physical team. You're the better team. You're going to take advantage of their mistakes. You're going to be coming after them all day long. Let Vandy know, like, hey, you're in our house. We're going to control the football game. We're going to win the football game. You guys have no chance. Set the tone early. My second key to the game, guys, like I told you, I think Vandy's going to have to throw the football to have any chance in this football game. And when he does, my second key is simple. Make Seals pay. Make him pay. If he's willing to put that ball in harm's way, if he's willing to just throw it up, if he's willing to try to squeeze that thing in there to his talented wide receivers, guys like Jalen Foster, R.J. Roderick, Jamar Brown, Jalen Dickerson, David Spaulding, Cam Smith, uh, Darius Rush, all those guys in the back half, make him pay. Make him pay because that's how this game can really get out of hand. This That's how this game can really get away from Vandy, and the Gamecocks can pull away and get again that, that, that blowout win that so many of us are desiring. Make Seals pay again. Five touchdowns to seven interceptions. He's shown a willingness to put the ball in harm's way. If he puts it there, oblige. Oblige and take the football and make him pay for his mistakes. My final key to the game, guys, is this. Final key, we've been talking offense all season long, okay? And believe it or not, I think Vanderbilt's probably the worst team you've played at this point outside of EIU, okay? And if you're going to have any success in the back half of this season, the second half, if you will, you're going to have to find out what you're good at, what you're not so good at, and what you like to do on the offensive side of the football. Bottom line. And if you cannot do this in a game against Vanderbilt, I fear you may not be able to do it at any point this season. So, guys, my final key to the game, establish an identity. Figure out who you are. You know, Marcus Satterfield, I've been been very quick to remind you and let you know I don't think it's just play calling, right? I think it's personnel. I think it's execution. But Marcus Satterfield's got to be better, too. He's got to be better. This coaching staff's got to do a better job of putting players in a position to win and be successful. So Marcus Satterfield, hey, we need a blowout victory. The players need a blowout victory and a positive performance. Marcus Satterfield needs a good game-calling plays. He needs it badly to to, produce points, to take the pressure off of him. I, I mean, for multitudes of reasons. So, again, My final key to the game, establish an identity offensively. Because I'll tell you this, if you cannot do it in this football game, I don't know when you can. Because it surely ain't going to get easier against the likes of A&M, Florida, Auburn, Clemson, et cetera. So, again, guys, that's my breakdown of Saturday's game against the Vanderbilt Commodores. I will lock in my official score prediction tomorrow on tomorrow's show i will lock in my official score prediction guys you should be sure to check that out but uh yeah that is the breakdown of the vanderbilt commodores would love to hear you guys thoughts comments everything else guys with that being said let's jump into your listener questions regarding saturday's game Ecart 08 of the fan base expectations tainted by spurriers and muschamp's first season results i I don't think so I i don't think so i mean you know uh Steve Spurrier raised the bar at the University of South Carolina, and that's not a bad thing. I mean, Will Muschamp went six and six. It's not like he did any miracles or anything. So um, I think most fans are okay right now. I think most fans, you know, they know South Carolina's kind of right right where they should be. We talked about it yesterday, but you've won the ones you were supposed to. You lost the ones you were supposed to. You're kind of right where I'd expect you to be, for the most part. You're only a game off my projection. So uh, Austin Jr., 45, what do you want to see from Marcus Satterfield in this game? Um uh, you know, I guess creativity. I, guys, I just want to see the offense work. I just want to see us score points. Um, again, I, I don't think it's all been on Satterfield. I want to see us catch the football. I want to see us open some holes. I want to see us block. I want to see us win first down. I would like to see Luke Doty get more involved in the run game. So, however that has to happen, whether that's Satterfield, whether that's execution, everybody's got to be better. Let's go score points. Let's go score points. Jaden B says, I'm going to say it, 28- to ten, okay, he's locked in twenty eight to ten. team made it thirty four. Dak and Juju could run wildcat option, and Dak can throw for a triple option. Why not do this? Because that sounds like an absurd idea, and thinking that you're going to hand this offense off to Dak Joiner, and that's going to be a positive, is 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 comedy to say the least. Um, let's see. Flip one. Frank says DK needs more of a wildcat package, both passing and running out of it. Guys, I, listen. I like Dak Joyner. I'm glad he's a Gamecock. I, I think trying to force Dak Joyner into being a playmaker in this offense is just a foolish thing. I, I, I really do. His time is coming gone, man. Dak Joyner is who he is. I love the kid to death, but he, he's not a playmaker. If he was, he would establish that by now. He's not a playmaker. So I, I'd actually prefer to see his reps at wide receiver go to someone else. Give Amarion Brown those reps. Give Give EJ Jenkins those reps. Somebody else who hasn't proven they are what they are. So – uh scott to be awesome at this point between florida auburn and clemson how would you rank least and most likely to win i would say least likely to win i'd probably go least likely florida i don't know that's tough that's really tough that's really tough um least likely florida most likely clemson just because clemson's a rivalry game you never know what might happen uh, he also says with the run game, why don't they just look at what worked so well last year and use it? Great thought process, great concept. Well, I think you saw that a little bit last week with the fullback and, and getting him more of a power set. I hope we continue to see that. Uh, also Scott, W Lawson says maybe Hutcherson alone was just that big of an influence in line. Maybe he was, maybe he was last question. Tate one, 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 one underscore. Do we miss, do we miss Mike Bobo in his run game yet? Or is it still F Mike Bobo? We can miss him in his run game and it's still be, F. Mike Bobo tape. So both of those things can be true. Guys, again, appreciate the questions. Thank you so much for always being engaging. The banter as well. Don't go anywhere, by the way. We got a great conversation, great interview, a throwback interview from the summer of 2019 as former Gamecocks quarterback and all-time legend Steve Tannehill. Join me for a conversation. Great stuff, guys. Uh, again these throwback interviews have been incredible there's so many conversations and so many interviews that i know you guys have never heard before so to be able to do that and be able to have you guys hear those and and uh, kind of relive some of these great interviews we've done it's been a really really cool thing but again guys thank you all so much for tuning in like i said i will drop my official score prediction tomorrow but that is your full breakdown of saturday's game against the vanderbilt commodores and again guys like i said I truly appreciate y'all. Thank y'all so much for continuing to rock and roll with the content, with the show, with everything we do, guys. Truly do appreciate Y'all have a great rest of your Thursday. Appreciate you all tuning in. Enjoy this interview with former Gamecocks quarterback Steve Tannehill. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up show is a man that played quarterback for the Gamecocks from 1992 to 1995. He ranks second all-time in passing yards with 8,782 total yards and ranks number one overall in passing touchdowns with 61. He also led the Gamecocks to their first-ever bowl victory in 1995, securing the CarQuest Bowl over West Virginia. I'm very, very pleased to have on the show one of the best Gamecocks quarterbacks in South Carolina history. Steve Tannehill. Steve, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on.
2: I appreciate you having me, man. Appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. So let's kind of go back to the beginning with you, Steve. Obviously a standout, you know, player, standout recruit in high school. You choose to go to South Carolina, get there in nineteen ninety two. Um, just kind of talk about the recruitment process for you. What was that like? Was it always South Carolina for you, or what was there a decision you had to make?
2: I came down to South Carolina and Alabama and uh Jay Barker was a freshman starter at Alabama, so um, <clears throat> it came down. Rich Passaccia was my recruiter, and uh, Coach Passaccia now coaches for the Raiders. Um, but uh, just got along great with him, talked to him every Wednesday night uh, at 10.30 p.m. for two years. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you get to know somebody, and, and uh, I just thought the opportunity to play fast and, and be, be able to get on the field uh, was at South Carolina, and uh, you know, Alabama was about 19 hours away from home, and South Carolina was 10. And and my parents um, don't like to fly, so you know, just it, it. There was a few factors in, but probably you know, besides you know, Coach Coach Basach and, and recruiting and the travel for my parents, the, the opportunity to play I knew was going to be sooner, and and uh, you know, it's it's even like today I don't understand why these quarterbacks all these big recruits all go to the same school you got to sit there and wait and I, I just uh I, I didn't think I could sit and wait
1: no doubt so you get to South Carolina in 1992 again your uh your head coach was Sparky Woods and I know you went through a coaching change I'll get, which I'll get to in just a little bit but talk about first off just kind of your relationship with Sparky Woods what was that like
2: <clears throat> well Sp- coach Woods that wasn't really a position coach you know so um, Art Wilkins was our quarterback coach and, and coordinator my first year. And, and, uh, you know, obviously coach Basach was our running back coach and he recruited me. So, you know, you, unless you're, unless your head coach is a coordinator or going to favor one side or the other, you, you just don't, you know, you don't have a lot of interactions with them. So coach Woods and I, um, uh, you know, just really didn't have a lot of interactions, obviously, uh, when he, when he finally decided to start me in week six and, and from then on out, you know, a relationship did grow, but hey, he, you know, he didn't coach a position and, and, uh, you know, it's, you just don't, you, you get a lot closer to your coordinators and, and, uh, you know, your position coaches.
1: No doubt. So like you said, that 92 season was very, very interesting. You guys start the year. zero and five, obviously you're on the bench. You're not the starter yet. And, uh, you know the Gamecocks, Sparky Woods, all those guys decide to turn the you know turn to you, and you, all you do is lead South Carolina to a five and one overall record. Obviously, the punctuation mark being the end of the year rivalry with Clemson beating those guys twenty four to thirteen at their place. Just kind of talk about though. You know, you get to South Carolina as a true freshman. I know, like you said, you wanted to go somewhere where you could play immediately. Um, just kind of talk about going through that losing streak, being the backup guy, and um, did you did you kind of sense you had your opportunity coming, if you will?
2: Well I got to play a little bit in uh you know played three plays against Georgia and we lost and and uh, you know we had the little revolt or whatever you want to call it and uh you know then I finally got the opportunity you know to play uh um, I started against Mississippi State but the week before against Alabama I really played pretty much the whole game and and uh we got beat which Alabama won the national championship that year but I you know I played pretty good and and uh, we had a week off and um you know, they informed me that you know I was going to start that Mississippi State game, and and uh, you know I had never I'd never been a backup, and so you know there's a big difference between the starter and the backup, and uh, you know I think my personality was more for the starter, and and uh, you know it was a it was an unbelievable six weeks, man. We we really should have beat Florida in the swamp. Um, you know, obviously beating Clemson was big, but you know that first game Mississippi State was ranked 15th in the country, and and, uh, we beat them and, and, uh, it, it it really just, our defense was so good. And I've said this, you know, since, since 1992, as you know, a lot of people give me the credit, but our defense was really good that year. And, uh, you know, when I, once I started to play, I think we only averaged like 20 points a game and, and went five and one. So, um, but this, this, the confidence of the team grew week by week and man, that, that was, uh, that was an unbelievable six weeks, and it ended up being a whole year because how we finished and beaten those SEC teams, and it was our first year in the SEC, man, it created such momentum in, in Columbia. It was uh, it was a fun time.
1: For sure, yeah. No, I, I think you definitely obviously brought the optimism, again, finishing 5-1, and one, going out on a high note. You mentioned the first year being in the SEC, and that's definitely something I wanted to talk to you about. Um, I, I guess in your recruitment as well, but was that ever kind of something that swayed you to South Carolina? You know, obviously you played quarterback on the first team that – you know, was in the SEC the first year that South Carolina right. was in the SEC. Was that a selling point to you to play in the SEC?
2: I, you know, I don't know that it was the seller, but the SEC at that time, you know, you really had, you know, the Big 12 and the Big 10. And I grew up, you know, 30 minutes from Penn State, so I was in Big 10 territory. And, and uh, so actually, you know, it, it was just different back in those days. Um, but the lore of the SEC, and, and it has grown, I, I think, as, as each year since 92, and they've added a few teams, uh, what it's turned out to is, is unbelievable. I mean, the SEC is is the marquee conference. Um, you can look at it. You know, I know Clemson's um, won a couple national championships, but the, the SEC and how many players leave the SEC every year and play on Sundays, I mean, it's it's the marquee conference, and it was then. I mean, um, every team was big. Every team was fast, and, and uh, you know, every week was a challenge. And I played against some really good players, and, and especially some really good defensive linemen. That you know, it takes a while to get used to that. You know, in high school, being six four in high school, I'm about the biggest guy in the field. Um, you get in that huddle, and your linemen are all six six, and, and you feel like a small guy. So, um, the adjustment to that league is 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 unbelievable. And we didn't have the opportunity back in those days to get in there in January. You know, no one did that. Um, that would have made a big difference. You know, I probably could have got on the field maybe week one instead of week six if I'd have had that opportunity to get there and go through spring practice and, and those things. So um, the game of football has really evolved, and, and uh, these kids getting in in January, and that's why you see so many young guys playing. I mean, they're getting a half a year under their belt and getting used to the guys in the weight room and the school part of it. I mean, it's it's uh, it's the way to go if you can do it.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. I agree with you. That's a massive change for college football. But going back to that 1992 season, like you mentioned, there were some definitely some big wins. I mean, you again, your first game starting, beat number 15, Mississippi State. You guys beat number 16, Tennessee, uh, on really memorable game, obviously, the stop two point conversion, which I know was a huge win for you guys because when you look at the history of South Carolina football, and you know, it's obviously improved lately, but especially at that time, South Carolina hadn't beaten Tennessee all that much. So to get that win, especially, and again, like you said make a splash the first year in the sec, I think was huge for you specifically, Steve, you know, your freshman season, you went 86 for one hundred and sixty-two, fifty-three 53% completion percentage, uh, through for almost 13,000 yards, seven touchdowns, six interceptions. How how do you feel like your game translated from high school to college? Because I know for every athlete going from high school to college sports, especially when it's sec, you know, you have some freshman growing pains to go through.
2: Oh, that's no question. Um, you know, the game just moves so much faster. Uh, and uh, the the system that was in place there for us is I had to do a lot of um, calling out the defense in fronts. And back in those days, there was a lot of 50 fronts and 30 fronts, and, and that was tough. And I, and I had Kenny Farrell, who's now the principal at, at uh, Somerville High School, but and his son's a, a, a rising player for us that at, also plays center at South Carolina. But Kenny helped me a lot where he would actually do a lot of the calling the defense and take that off. You know, off of me, so I could, um, you know, really look at the secondary and all that. But our running game was so good that year. Again, I didn't have to do a lot, um, but just you know, the capability to throw the ball down the field and get the get the ball in those guys' hands. Um, but I mean, I had Brandon Bennett and Rob DeBoer uh, as my running backs, and and uh, we 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 really could do a lot of things on offense because we were talented across there, and, and uh, you know, Ernest Dye, who ended up being, like, 12th pick in the draft, was our left tackle, didn't give up a sack all year, um, Corey Lucci was the right tackle, and he was a junior, and the next year, he got drafted in the third round, so we had a lot of talent, um, we just, uh, I, I guess they just needed somebody that would take some chances, and I and I, you know, I was a freshman having the time of my life, man, I, I was, I was going to take chances, and then the defense was there to um you know, if you made a mistake and you threw an interception or you, you made a few bad plays, our defense uh was so good that they bailed you out and and uh, like i said man it was it was a great year um but again, a lot of the credit needs to go to that defense because they, they they were our strength
1: for sure so let's talk a little bit about obviously the uh you know you're not a guy that's from the state of South Carolina again. Um, and I've talked to a lot of different guys that you know just kind of when it clicks for them, how big the South Carolina Clemson game is. Because I know you obviously know now that's you know the game. Some people say South Carolina can go one and eleven as long as they Clemson a good year. Uh, just kind of talk about because you know you're a guy again that has some of the most I would say some of the best memories from that rivalry. Just kind of talk about when it clicked for you, how big a rivalry that was.
2: Well you know we had a lot of guys from the state so that that whole week leading up to that game me as the out-of-stater and i grew up you know the penn state notre dame rivalry or the pit penn state rivalry and and which is big up there um so i knew about the you know rivalries but you know every day uh, and we had a lot of guys on our team that had teammate high school teammates at clemson and so um it was so important to those guys and i, I think when we got up to clemson on that friday um it kind of it kind of clicked to me on that Friday how big of a game it was and and we had been playing well you know so um there was a lot of uh, I guess from the Gamecock faithful and the Gamecock fans they really thought we could go win um and so there was a lot of hootlaw around that you know that game for us and and uh, it turned out to be you know a great win and again (laughs) Brandon Bennett um, you know, really had a great game. And our defense played so well. And, and uh, uh, you know, our, our fans charged the field. And, you know, it was um, – you, you learn a little bit at that point, um, you know, how big it is. And then it just grows. Um, you know, and two years later we won – you know, we won at Clemson. And it got us into the bowl game. You know, it was the game we had to win just to get into the bowl game. So, um, you know, a lot of fun memories up there. I, I didn't play very well against Clemson when we played them at. Um Williams bryce but uh played pretty good the two times up there and and uh you know a lot of good memories,
1: yeah let's talk about that ninety two game at Clemson steve because that that's one that you know I guess you could say your 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 play definitely stood out the on field antics stood out as well. I mean, I'm thinking the play, play you roll out, uh which it's a great play as well. ship me undersold, you hit uh I forget the wide receiver's name but hit the wide that receiver same
2: penny that same penny in the corner over there,
1: yeah, yeah. it was a great throw, great catch, I mean, really a great play, but you you go on to do the uh the baseball swing, which is something that you know gamecock fans obviously love, just kind of talk about that play in general and then that that rush of emotion afterwards
2: well you know what's crazy about that play it was third and goal like from the fifteen um we had that ball inside the you know inside the ten and then and, and end up going backwards so uh, it might even have been yeah it was either third or fourth down I think it was third down but uh, you know you got to take a chance and once the pocket collapsed a little bit and I got outside I mean there a scene was six four um you know big big time recruit and had a really good year that year for us um and you just take a chance you know you give the guy the opportunity to make the play and, and he made the play um I, I threw it to a spot he was the only one that could get it but you know he had to stay in bounds get that ball he actually touched the pylon and, and uh you know uh, from there it was you know celebration time
1: for sure I also want to talk about you know one of the most iconic images of the South Carolina <laughs> Clemson rivalry really on either side is the picture of you standing at midfield signing the Tiger Paul um, I'll guess first off you know obviously you don't know someone's taking a picture of you but I mean could you ever imagine that that picture would have been like as monumental I guess as you could call it as it is today um, and just kind of talk about again your freshman season you're at Clemson you get that win, <laughs> and I, I just can imagine the the rush of emotion after the game, what that must've felt like.
2: You see on that play, I believe. And, and again, you know, I think it was that play Brandon Bennett had a long run. Um, and and we were really just trying to run out the clock. Um, and Brandon had a long run. I knelt down on the tire paw and just, you know, pretending to screw with my name. And, and I think a few plays later, Brandon broke off another good run and, and you know, I turned to the crowd and, <clears throat> um, you know, you don't think about it. Again, I, I was, you know, eighteen years old or nineteen years old and um, you know, you just don't you don't know at that point, um, you know, what how how the longevity of that picture and, and uh it's really about the only picture I have. Uh, my parents have one and, and uh um but it is
1: it's it has
2: lasted a long time as one of the, you know, obviously my favorite pictures.
1: Yeah, and I don't think it's gonna be going away anytime soon, just my guess. <laughs> Um, let's move into nineteen ninety three because nineteen ninety three was a very, very interesting year. Again, you guys are led by Sparky Woods, but what would be uh what would be his last season at South Carolina? Um kind of a rough year for you guys. You guys go well similar to last year, though, go five and six, three and five, but I know with all the momentum you guys had at the end of ninety-two, I know you guys were shooting for a lot more. And then you specifically statistically, um, threw for just under two thousand yards, but six touchdowns. And fourteen interceptions. Just talk about '93 specifically for you. Kind of what was the story behind that season?
2: Well, I think we got we got caught up in you know a lot of overconfidence all, all around. I don't think we worked that hard in the off season. Um, in 1993, we were winning going into the fourth quarter, eight games. Um, you know, and, and and ended up four and seven. So um, I particularly didn't play that well. I, I had games you know, I had, I had gained a little too much weight and, um, you know, we, we, we didn't, we didn't have the maturity, I guess, at that point in time to to realize that we weren't as good as we thought. But I, like I said, eight games were leading going into the fourth quarter. And that's one of the things that when coach Scott came is one of the first things he said to all of us in that meeting was we were all too heavy. And, and, mean he didn't use those exact words, <laughs> but, uh. And and uh, he brought in a strength coach, Dennis Tripp and, and um and we it changed. Um you know, we were in so much better shape that next year. Um but I and that when I was coaching that was one of the things that I always believed in because of that ninety three year was to have your team in shape. You you can be really good and have good players, but if your players can't play into the fourth quarter, um you know, you can lose games that you shouldn't. And, uh, um, it was a great learning experience. You know, uh, obviously I would change it if we could go back and win some more games. And we started that year, we beat Georgia at Georgia, um, you know, on the last play of the game and, and Brandon goes over the top we had a two minute drive to get us down there. So that, that win was probably the worst thing that could happen to us because we, we really got the big head coming off the year that we had in 92 and a lot of the same guys on the team. And, uh, You know, it just didn't work out that well. And, and, uh, you know, they let Sparky go. And, and, uh, you know, for me, um, Ricky Bustle came in as a quarterback coach. And and, uh, I I really learned the game of football um, from a different level. He came from Virginia Tech and along with Coach Scott was coming from Florida State. So, uh, for me, it was beneficial because we really, at that point in 94, 95, got into the system that benefited me the most, which was being in the shotgun. Um, you know, I'm not the fastest guy, never was, but it helped me see the field. And, and uh, you know, so 93, it, it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't the greatest year, but uh, it it uh, was definitely a big learning experience for me as a player and, and later, uh, you know, helped me be successful as a high school coach.
1: For sure. I want to go back to that uh, the game you talked about at Georgia to start the 93 season. Because, again, like you said, monumental win. I mean, Georgia was ranked 14th at the time. And, again, this is an opponent where – South Carolina hasn't had the greatest history against anytime you beat Georgia is a huge win especially I mean it was at Georgia between the hedges a massive win obviously you mentioned Brandon over the top uh, Brandon Bennett the fantastic running back probably one of the best in school history but just kind of talk about again you talked about the 2 minute drive I mean everybody's heard the famous Larry Munson call lay down you guys lay down just kind of talk about that game and that 2 minute drive and then you see, you see Brandon go over the top with I guess 2 seconds left I and mean, that had to be crazy
2: well you know it was the hottest game i'd ever played the hottest football game i'd ever played in um and again that's in the, you know the early 90s before the under armor and, and before all this these things to help with the heat um you know i remember at halftime going in and they you know us it's us standing under showers um you know taking our pads off taking our pants off standing under showers just to cool down it was so hot um, and we made that drive at the end of the game and, and, uh, threw a lot of passes to Boomer Foster, I think, and Matt Campbell tight ends. And, and, uh, <laughs> we got it down there and, and we, we called timeout or they called timeout. I think it was us and it was it 14 seconds to go. Um, you know, so we go out there and, you know, we're going, we, we did a lot. In 92 and 93, uh, Brandon Bennett over the top. Brandon was such a great athlete and, and, uh, that was the plan. And I turned the wrong way. (laughs) And so when I turned the wrong way, um, it messed up the timing and Brandon didn't really get off the ground. And, uh, you know, I hustled and and we got everybody up. You know, Georgia um, probably should have laid, just like, you know, Larry Munson said, they should have just kind of got up slow. But our offensive line, and we had all linemen in there, um, tight ends and linemen and and then just the, the running backs. Um, so we, we got everybody up quick and we snapped that ball, I think with about six seconds and, and, uh, I turned the correct way and, and, uh, you know, Brennan really got stopped kind of halfway up in the air and he, he does like a 360 off somebody and gets in and, um, you know, one of the, uh, one of the most fun wins, you know, in my career for sure, because of where it was, you know, a, a two minute drive to win the game and, and, uh, you went on the last seconds and. Man, that, that was fun. But that was, again, like I said, I think it has, that was a little bit of our downfall. We we left that, you know, we left Sanford Stadium thinking we were, you know, the greatest thing, and, and uh, you know, we got lazy.
1: No doubt. So, again, that 93 season, it, it's kind of funny. Again, you know, Sparky Woods is let go. Um, Brad Scott is hired. I know you talked about you didn't really have a relationship with Sparky Woods. Kind of talk about your first interactions with Coach Scott and what your relationship was like with him.
2: Well, I I not I I think it took about in into the season about three or four games till coach Scott really learned, you know, the the competitive spirit um uh, that I had. I wasn't the greatest practice player. Um practice to me wasn't that exciting. I mean, I just I wanted to go have fun and and practice is fun. And uh you know, we we worked so hard and and um you know, you myself and coach Scott developed a great relationship. Um and, and again, Coach Bustle was my my quarterback coach, and he was a great guy. And and um, and it it turned out to be, you know, Coach Scott and I are still friends to this day. I mean, Jeff Scott's a coach at Clemson, and um, he was our little ball boy back then. And and uh, it's just a relationship that's you know that's still there because you know I have a lot of respect for for Coach Scott, and and he he taught me a lot about the, the passing game um, that he brought from Florida State, and and uh, you know it really helped. Um, if you look back the stats that that we had as an offense in 94 95 or at that time unbelievable um, you know now now it's, they're not the greatest stats in the world because they, these teams are really throwing it around but we were one of the first teams to you know get in being a shotgun every snap um, and uh, we had some great players I and mean, I had Stanley Pritchett in the backfield and, and um, you know Deuce Staley one year and and those guys played a long time in NFL and you know, I had Zola Davis as my one of wideouts wide outs and Toby Kay. These guys were really good football players, and, and, uh, and that, that was fun on offense. We, we didn't have enough depth on defense to, to hang in there, but, uh, um, you know, we put up some great numbers and, and uh, you know, had a lot of fun as an offensive unit those two years.
1: For sure. So, again, you know, I mentioned the 94 season, you leading South Carolina to its first ever bowl win against West Virginia in the CarQuest Bowl. Um, That season also very memorable. You guys pounded Clemson 33-7 to at Clemson again. Um, I guess I'll ask you, I mean, it's kind of funny when you look at the years you were there, Steve, because it was very back and forth, but you guys get them in Clemson, can't get them in Columbia. I mean, was there – I'm sure there wasn't a different type of mentality or anything, but I mean, can you explain why the great success on the road, but not uh, not at home against those guys?
2: Well, I'm, I'm in, in 1995 at home. You know, we they were better than us. We we couldn't stop anybody that year. We we had a tough time. Had a lot of injuries on defense. Had a lot of youth, and we we just couldn't stop anybody. Um, our '94 team was pretty good on defense. Um, you know, we held Clemson to seven points at home and and uh you know even the West Virginia game our defense you know in the bowl game played great so um you know even as an offensive guy uh you know you really the defense is it was what separates the really really good teams from you know just the average football team and you know just in 95 we we just didn't quite have the defense that that could hang in there and Clemson came in and, and ran the ball and pounded us and um, there was no way, you know, we, you know, I had a pretty good game at, on offense, but um, we, we just couldn't stop them. And, and that was the real, my whole senior year was kind of like that. You know, we put up great numbers and we just didn't have the defense to to, to hang in there.
1: Talk about that 94 win over Clemson walking out of there again, a winner. I, again, I, I, I think there's, you know, as a competitor, I think there's something fun about, you know, it's always fun to win at home in front of your fans, but I think going into somebody's backyard and, Stealing a win from them, and especially I mean the '94 game, winning 33 to seven. I know that had to be a really satisfying feeling to walk out of there, uh, you know, beating those guys again.
2: Oh yeah, and and again, that that got us in the bowl game. We knew going up there that you know we had one shot at, at making a bowl game, and and um, you know we had to win, and, and so there was a lot of pressure on us to to get that win, and um, you know another fun day. We we we. Uh, um we, we really played well on both sides of the ball. We had the, you know, the big trick play throwback after halftime that really, um, you know, uh, on that second half kickoff that really got us um, and put the game away right then. We, you know, the next play we we flipped at the Brandon and he scores and and uh, you know that's it. And and uh, but our defense played great and it is fun to win there and definitely for the guys on the team from From the state and and for the fans, you know, to go there and win is is uh you know a big big deal and and uh, it was that day for sure.
1: Steve, talk about the '95 Carquest Bowl again. It, monumental. I mean, you lead South Carolina their first ever bowl win. Uh, again, beating West Virginia, 24-21. One of my favorite highlights, to watch, Steve, is the play where you you run into the end zone, and the commentator says, "Watch them celebrate now." Obviously, you guys went crazy. You took your helmet off, but just kind of talk about that play and then bringing South Carolina's first bowl victory, just what that means to you.
2: Well, what what I had, I had, you know, we got to go home there for a couple of days at Christmas and, um, you know, it was, it was a big deal for us to, to be in that bowl game. And, and I told everybody at home I was going to run one in <laughs> and uh, you know, the play broke down. We had a great play called and and, and West Virginia blitzed and, and uh, you know, I, I got lucky and got out of trouble and, and uh, you know, just dove in. It, it was, uh, you know, obviously a you know a big play, and you know, helped me, you know, be the MVP of that game and helped our team win. But our defense was lifed out that day again, and and, uh, and Brandon too. I mean, we really, um, just had a you know just had a great game plan and, and uh, really played well, and and um, you know, a big win for the state. And and they've gone on to win some more bowl games and, and win bigger bowl games, um, but. Um, you know, we were the team that, that won that first one. And, and uh, you know, I think every guy on that team is, is pretty proud of that.
1: Yeah, and I think they definitely should be. I know that holds a special place for Gamecock fans. Uh, that 94 season, you know, I mentioned, you know, you talked about, Steve, your guy, you like to have fun. I think that's – people would definitely describe you as a fun guy, obviously with the antics and the celebrations. And, I mean, you were beloved by South Carolina fans, again, not just for your play on the field, but your charismatic attitude. You know, again, the celebrations just kind of punctuated – what you were all about. Just just kind of talk about where you think that came from. I mean, was it just something natural where you just were a very, you know, high-emotion guy? I know when you look back, you probably say you were a silly kid at times, but, I mean, it's something <laughs> that South Carolina fans to this day love watching those highlights, seeing you go crazy on the sidelines or on the field, stuff like that.
2: Well, I mean, I, I just think that you work so hard, you know, every day that you, you only get, you know, 10 or 11 chances to – to go out there and and so when you get that opportunity man you you better make it fun and uh, we, we didn't win every game we played but uh, I went out there every Saturday and I I I enjoyed the game of college football I enjoyed the crowds I enjoyed going on the road um, you know playing at home coming out the tunnels you know having the fans at you the interactions with the other guys so I, I made you know I, I was going to have fun and and uh, you know that's I think the the work you put in for football is, you know, you can't go out in the yard and, and um, you know play the game. Where basketball, you can go to the court pretty much any, any time and get a pickup game and play. But you only get so many chances, you know, to go out there on Saturdays and and uh, play with your teammates and, and play in the stadiums we played in. And, and uh, yeah, I I, I played with a lot of emotion and and uh, but I was having fun. I uh, I felt like we put in a lot of work for those 11 days and and uh you know i, I wanted to enjoy those those 11 saturdays
1: no doubt and i want to mention that junior season obviously you had a great year um through for 22 2259 yards 63 percent completion percentage 19 touchdowns eight interceptions switching gears a little bit steve what inspired the mullet i know that's we put up the picture hyping up the show with you looking at the hat which i think is a hysterical photo but uh Obviously, you, I mean it's one of the other things you're known for. Obviously, the mullet, you know, all. Uh, what what, uh, what inspired that?
2: I, I just when I was in high school, I just started letting it go, and and when someone told me, you know, you got to cut it, that turned me into going the opposite way. Um, and my dad was the first one, you know, you need to get a haircut. Nah, you know, just that rebellious, and it, and it just lasted, and, and till Coach Scott got there, and once Coach Scott got there, it was gone. But um, it, it was it was really just being defiant teenager as it started and then you know I it's just it just grew to that and and then obviously after my freshman year you know it you know it it really took off and um, it is funny to look back especially now you 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 know you catch a lot of heat for for that (laughs) I catch it catch it a lot from um, a lot of people that you know meet me for the first time or or man that this was you
0: (laughs) and uh, now I don't
2: have all that much there so I and mean, it kind of came back, came back on me, but, um, you know, it's just one of those things, like I said, the, the fine teenager and people tell me I should get it cut. And I just went the opposite and said, nah, just let it grow, you know, forever really.
1: <laughs> no doubt. So the 95 season, Steve, for you, uh, fantastic season for you. You went 261 for 389, 67% completion percentage. You threw for over 3000 yards. You threw 29 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Um, but like you said, 95 did not go the way you guys wanted. 4-6-1 overall record, 2-5-1 in the SEC. I mean, you guys scored in your wins 68 points, 77 points, 65 points, and 52 points. So there was not a lack of offense when it came to you guys. I mean, how frustrating was it for you, you know, being the South Carolina signal caller? And, I mean, you're doing everything you can out there every single week. And just, you know, you just knowing you don't have the the, the guys on the other side of the ball to really, you know, help you out and secure games.
2: Well, I mean, you just got to get it in your head. You got to score every possession, you know. And and uh, that was our that was our goal. And and we we got on the field. You you, you kind of know during the week, um, because you do watch film and you you do peek in and watch some of their film and and uh, you kind of have an idea of what you got to do going into those games. And and uh, you know we had to score a lot of points and we had the offense to do it. And again, like I said, we were. You know, beside Coach Spurrier's Florida team and 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 obviously Florida State back in those days, we were one of the few teams doing, you know, shotgun every play, and we had three different speeds we went, and you know we rarely huddled, and um, you know it it was, um, and it was fun to be on that offense, and uh, it wasn't frustrating. It, it was it was, <laughs> it was frustrating. You know, we you win the bowl game, and you think, hey man, we're gonna go to another bowl game the next year, and, and it doesn't happen, but. Uh, you know, as an offensive unit, we 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 set a lot of records and and uh, you know we, we scored a lot of points some some Saturdays and sometimes we won and sometimes it didn't. But uh, you know, as an offensive unit, it, it was it was pretty fun.
1: No doubt. So, like I mentioned, your senior year was by far your best year statistically. And I asked you the question, kind of how you would grade yourself your first year when you came to South Carolina. You know, how, where do you feel like you grew most as a quarterback, specifically from your freshman year to your senior year, to have this type yeah. of success you did?
2: Well, by my senior year, I was I was in the meetings when the coaches were putting together the game plan. Um, and that's that's what happens when you have a four-year starter. You know, the game, when you hear people say the game slows down, um, and that, that's exactly what happens. Um, I've had a lot of people say, you remember how loud it was in this stadium? Nah. Uh, you you don't you don't it's almost like as soon as you step on that field especially the longer you play it it's just quiet you know you don't hear anything and uh, that that comes from knowing the game of football inside and out and uh, you know having your coaches prepare you and again by my senior year I I was in the game planning you know on Mondays um, with the coaches um, you know I was I was in the I was in the meeting room I knew what the game plan was going to be. Um, it made practice a lot easier. I, I was ahead of the game, you know, watching film with the coaches. I, it it was by far my best year, but again, it's it's really supposed to be. You know, I played a lot of football, and you know, we started 40 games in a row. You you get to those last 10, 11 games, you know, you've seen about everything they can do, and 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 that's why you see the quarterbacks nowadays, especially in the pros. These guys are, you know, Tom Brady's in his 40s and how good he is. He's seen everything that you can throw at him. Same with Drew, Drew Brees and, and these guys. There's nothing you can do over there that they haven't seen. And, and uh, you, know, you put good people around them and good things are going to happen. And because the game just what they say, it slows down and, and that's what really happens.
1: No doubt. So your South Carolina career, obviously 95, Steve comes to an end, but you leave South Carolina again, I mentioned, you know, at the start of the show, second all time in passing yards, number one all time in passing touchdowns, which I know could possibly be taken over I want to get to in just a second. But, uh, you know, you leave South Carolina with an, a, a fantastic career. I mean, what did it mean to you looking back? I'm sure those numbers mean even more now to you now that you look back on your uh, on your South Carolina career.
2: Oh yeah, because it's really about 14 records that I have. Um you know you um uh, you have a couple biggies in there but there's about 14 in there that 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 I have and and uh you know it, it makes it worthwhile and that, and and I've never left the state, you know, and and has and a you know, I coached here for 16 years and and uh, in the state of South Carolina and and uh yeah, it does it does mean a lot to me. And uh you know, I I, I again, I wish we had some better Outcomes as the seasons went, I'm only going to one bowl game in four years, but I, I wouldn't trade anything um, that happened during my career. I it, it was it was everything I thought. I thought we would win some more games, but uh, personally, I you know I played pretty well and and uh, you know had, had a had a fairly decent career, we should say. <laughs>
1: No, for sure. One you obviously mentioned you have a ton of records. I just one that popped up that I want to mention just speaking of how good that 95 offense was. Uh you have the most yards in a single game at South Carolina passing and rushing combined. You have 512 yards against Mississippi State. So, an insane insane number. Jake Bentley was close last year against Clemson with 490, but 512 is a is a pretty crazy number.
2: Yeah, that Mississippi State game, man, that, that was, that, you know, that was unreal. It, it was 7, 7 9 7, 7 14 7 14 14 21 14 21 21 28 21 and we finally got a little break, but um, that, that game was, um, you know, obviously the statistically the best game I played and, and uh, broke the NCA record that day and uh, would later get break. It actually got break that year. Um, sure. But, uh, you know, just, a, just an unbelievable day. I mean, that was. I, I wore a long sleeve shirt that day and, and uh you know, I was very superstitious and I ended up wearing it every game. Um, even though it wasn't cold and uh um I tried everything just to get back, you know, to, to play as well as I did that day. But um that that had a lot of things to do with a lot of people playing well that day. Um, not just me. Uh, the offensive line played great. Stanley had a big game and Zola Davis and, and um you know just Deuce Staley had a big game that day. We we just had you know, we had a lot of success that day.
1: No doubt. So, forgive me for not knowing this, Steve. I feel like I should. But after 95 ends, your South Carolina career is over. Uh, what were your plans as far as football? Because, again, a guy with his success, successful career as you had, yeah. I'm sure the NFL had to be on your mind. Just kind of talk about your life after South Carolina in regards to uh, the pro football.
2: Yeah. The you know, There's only like three cornerbacks that year, or three or four that got drafted. And I got signed as a free agent by Jacksonville and, and got cut and, you know in training camp and then they sent me to NFL Europe for a season and Jacksonville re-signed me and then they drafted somebody and and uh, I I had the opportunity to continue to play I played in the arena league and uh, I just I got a call one day to come uh, to Greenwood and coach a private school and and, uh, you know I said yeah I I guess I'd rather coach than continue to play And, and the pro game you know just wasn't the same the same atmosphere it wasn't you know you have teammates with families and it's just different. And, uh, you know, I, I wish I would have, you know, maybe got a shot to play some games in the NFL, but, uh, you know, Hey, uh, got into coaching and, and, uh, you know, um, that was a pretty good ride, uh, as well.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say you had a really, really good coaching career. So yeah, I know definitely. I'm sure South Carolina fans are familiar. Um, you got into coaching at Chesterfield High School, led those guys to a couple different state title appearances, won the state title, I believe, in 2007. I believe was the year, and 2008 and 2009. Um, yeah, <laughs> so you guys did really well. You coached uh, Cambridge Academy, coached eight man team football. Just, just kind of talk about your stops as far as uh, yeah, as far as your coaching career is concerned.
2: Well, I, you know, I had a really good team. We won two state championships at Cambridge, and and uh, you know, I had to uh, coach the late Gaines Adams, and and uh, you know, he went on to some unbelievable success at Clemson, and was the fourth pick in the draft, and um, <clears throat> bounced around and went to West Ashley for a season. Had some really good players there, and, and uh, I was the offense coordinator. Then I got to Chesterfield, and and uh, along with the other coaches and the kids, we built that. For- into a true powerhouse i mean um you know we won it three years in a row we really, sh- really should have won it four we lost 21 20 in 2006 um you know, we i think we won like 20 starting in 2007 like 25 straight home games um you know we beat pageland uh, in 2006 and they had never chesterfield had never beat page like 36 years so uh, that was a that was a great that was a great seven years there and, and then i went to union and um, coach Keyston Smith my first year and he was the state player of the year and, and uh, you know heck of a quarterback and, and my last year there I had Shy Smith who's now you know a game cock and um, you know awful good football player for the University of South Carolina so it, it was a good run um, you know kind of glad I'm not in it, it, it the, the, the game of football not so much the game of football but just uh, you know how, how, how coaches are allowed to coach and the time and it 's just not the same, and um, you know, i don 't miss it i 'm um, really just a football fan now. I get to uh, you know go to the Carolina games every week and and uh, just really be a true fan of the games.
1: no doubt well, you definitely answer my question as far as if coaching was in your future that 's a resounding no without a <laughs> doubt, um, but you've obviously went on to different ventures, obviously in two thousand and sixteen you purchased uh the Five Points Bar Group Therapy, renamed it Steve Tannehill's Group Therapy, which is an awesome bar, uh, one of my personal favorites. Uh, Just kind of talk about how that came about, you know, what made you want to do that, and obviously how business is going.
2: Yeah, business is good. Um, You know, it's uh, a different time in Five Points right now, uh, that's for sure. Um, A lot of things, uh, you know, a lot of things going on, and, and, um, but, I always wanted to one day have, have a bar. And I, I really thought that I'd move back home, uh, to Pennsylvania at some point and, and, and do that. And then it just worked that, uh, we started looking at it and, uh, you know, we bought it on June 30th, 2016. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll, um, be able to keep it for a long time. It's a, it's an iconic place. uh you know, Hootie and the Blowfish is named their, um, tour after the bar, the group therapy tour. And, and, uh, um, you know, there's a lot, a lot of, a lot of good things and, and, uh, you know, really glad to be back in, in Columbia. You know, I, like I said, I, I get to go to all the Carolina games. Uh, I got some season tickets and, and tailgating and being a football fan. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's a good time. I, I really, to be honest, I just rather, I, I just want to hunt. <laughs> um, and, and being, being a, being an owner of your own company, you have that opportunity to do some hunting. So, um, you know, it's just, uh, you know, maybe we've looked into some, you know, maybe, maybe getting another one up here in in the upstate and, uh, you know, if something comes around and comes open, we might do it. So so I enjoy it, but I I really enjoy the free time and, and uh, um, you know, everything that goes with that.
1: No doubt. So like you mentioned, you're obviously still around the program. You're uh, it's funny, your mural is up in the indoor, the the new uh, ops building, if you will, you're a guy that has season tickets, like you said. So you're, Definitely in touch with the program, what's going on. I want to get your opinion on just kind of the state of South Carolina football right now. Obviously, what what Will Muschamp is building. I think he's doing a great job recruiting and bringing in the type of guys he needs uh, to be successful, get South Carolina back where they were from, you know, 2011 to 2013. But just kind of from your viewpoint, talk about what you see in Will Muschamp and this Gamecocks football program right now.
2: Uh, well, Coach Muschamp played at Georgia. You know, I, I guess we played against each, each other twice. And, and uh, you know, he when I was coaching, he was coaching not on the East Coast. You know, he was at Texas. He was in the NFL for a while, and so we never came, our paths never crossed. So I didn't know him that well when he got the job here. Um, <laughs> we've come to 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 know each other pretty well now, especially when you have, you know, I had Shy Smith and and Coach Byrne was, you know, had had came to Union twice, and and uh, when Musham got the job on like Friday, Monday he was. he was in my office in union recruiting shy. So I have a lot of respect for Coach because he does pound the pavement recruiting. Um, Last year, you know, we had a lot of injuries on defense and we're not that deep. And and this year that schedule is brutal. But uh, I think he's recruiting the right kids. Uh, That new facility is going to help get kids in. And uh, I think we're on the right track. And and (laughs) I think this year is going to be tough. Um, we're going to have, <laughs> excuse me. We're going to have to win some games that we're probably not supposed to. Um, um, but I really look forward to to next season, 2020. I think it's the opportunity for us to really have a great year with what he's building in, in recruiting.
1: Without a doubt. So obviously, his starting quarterback, the Gamecock starting quarterback, Jake Bentley. I talked about your records before. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the. Uh, the passing yards record and the passing touchdowns record that, you know, could realistically be broken. I think he only needs eight touchdown passes to break your record of 61. And I think he needs just under 3,000 yards, very doable numbers. But kind of just talk about, uh, are are you pulling for Jake Bentley to break the records? Do you selfishly want to keep the records? I mean, what does that feel like? I mean, as a guy that holds those records and they're potentially going to be broken.
2: Well, they've lasted a long time. Um, you know, who, who would have thought that as much success as coach Spurrier had here with his teams that, that those records, some of them still stand, but I, I think Jake's going to get them all. Um, I I really think they're going to be pretty good on offense and I think Jake's going to get all of our records. So, um, you know, he's a, I've known him a long time, you know, coached against his daddy. Um, and, uh, I've been a friend of Bobby Bentley for a long time. So I, I know Jake and, uh, I want the team to have success. If, if some of the records get broke in the process, then then that's what happens. Um, but I'd much rather the team have some success. Um, you know, if the records go down, they last for a long time, like I said.
1: No doubt. So, Steve, I'm going to get you out of here before I let you go, though. Obviously, you, you had such an illustrious career in South Carolina. So many great memories in Garnet and Black. But if you had to if you had to pick one memory, you would say, that really stands out to you as your favorite, do you, do you have one that uh, you, you can narrow it down to?
2: Well, it has to be the bowl game. Um, you know, like I said, I was MVP, first one ever um, for the for University of South Carolina. So that – I just think that that in general is, is – it has to be. Um, there were a lot of great days. The Mississippi State game was um, in 95. Obviously, I, you know, one of the greatest days a quarterback could have and and, um, and obviously the first start. But there were a lot, of, a lot of great games, a lot of great memories. But uh, I'd say the Carquest Bowl probably ranks up there pretty high and and the week before that because we had to beat clemson to get to that bowl game so those two go hand in hand really
1: all right so kind of off the wall question your favorite celebration of all the, what was kind of like your go-to celebration to do was it the home run swing was it the, the yeah
2: that's where it all started uh, <laughs> the, the home run swing is kind of where it started and and uh you know that's what a lot of people remember and And, again, when it started, I I really was just a youngster out there having a good time. And, and, uh, you know, they changed the rule on us. The celebrations that we did and I did changed the rule in college football, and and you couldn't do those anymore. So, uh, it had an impression on somebody in the league office that, uh, you know, it it ended pretty much after the 93 season.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, how tough would it be for you, Steve Tannehill, today to – I mean, you have to keep your helmet on, can't do the celebrations. I'd imagine it would have – would have kind of put a damper on, on on your uh I guess on on your spirit a little bit, or at least just having to wait till you get to the sidelines to do everything.
2: Yeah. Um um and when Coach Scott got there, you know, one of the first things he said was, Hey, you're you're wasting too much energy, you know, doing all that. Come to the sideline and sit down. And uh so it it it, it it's definitely different now and, and What's fun is you can watch Sundays. NFL has gotten back to those guys having some fun. And, and uh, I like to see people enjoying the game of football. And like I said, you put a lot of work in each week.